Welcome back to Claim the Stage. I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. I'm also the CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. And I'm also a professional speaker and an author. And I'm excited to bring today's live coaching episode to you because we have questions from listeners that I think are pretty universal in that they address topics on how do I share my voice when I haven't had an opportunity to do that before? And how do I build a talk that connects with my audience? Now, the questions are a little bit more specific to the question askers, but the answers apply to anyone. So if you have had a job or you've been working in a place where you haven't been able to share your voice and now you're feeling like you want to on a either on a stage or in a new business or through a book, today's episode will give you some ideas on how to get started doing that. And one of the things that the listener, Mary Kate, asks about and says in her question that I really love is how excited she is to be able to use her voice and at the same time how scary it is to step out and use her voice. And so if you have that same feeling, you're going to love today's episode. Our second question is about how to build a compelling keynote talk to open a conference that connects with the audience. And I give answers that are universal that you can use for any keynote talk. So if these are things that are interesting to you, I think you will love today's episode. And I just want to add, uh, Jolie is still on vacation. So this is another solo episode. If you have questions you'd like to submit for an upcoming episode on live coaching, please send them to me, Angela at speakersisterhood.com. I would love to do more of these episodes and I can only do them if you submit your questions. So um, without further ado, here is today's live coaching episode. All right, Mary Kate Daly, welcome to Claim the Stage. Angela, thanks so much for having me here today. I'm excited. Me too. And I would love for you to tell everyone a little bit about yourself before we jump into your question. Sure. So I am Mary Kate Daly and very excited um, thinking about what the what the future looks like as I'm transitioning from a career of um, 13 plus years in the built environment um, to um, playing a different way within the built environment and the STEM industries overall in my own coaching and consulting um, practice. So thinking through what that means and how um, how I'm showing up, but a lot of that is around the voice that I'm, I'm able to use um, for myself, for the business and day-to-day. So much of my experience with working for other people of companies of varying size is that um, there were two ways that I felt that felt like I was being held back um, or holding myself back because my views, opinions, interests did not necessarily align with the main focus of my day-to-day role or the employer itself, and also shrinking myself to a specific mold that they wanted me to be. And so I'm thinking that as I'm breaking out into my own in so, so many different ways, what does that actually mean for me in terms of fully living in my own voice in what I want to say and, and who I'm talking to and just feeling like fully bringing that, the truth, the identity, the, um, what I really want to say out into the world. I love this. Um, so what is it that is sort of the challenge for you at this point when it comes to sharing your voice in, in a new business? 
a lot of the the challenge for me is coming from being I think on finally being in my own place and that the upside and downside is I stand very much for myself um, and that I'm not anchored to another organization. So in that sense of, I don't have to be tied to that anymore. There's also a sense of an unmooring of, I am fully responsible for everything <laughs> I have to say. And it's a responsibility I'm, I'm very excited for. Um, but I think it's such a new feeling um, for me. And I can think back to times of, you know, when I was younger and just starting out in college where I did have that, you know, boldness to explore and ask questions and think and challenge and corporate life has definitely changed, changed a lot of that in me. And so thinking of how do I get back to myself and that freedom to be able to say what I want and think what I want. And a lot about just bringing that thinking, whether it's spoken or written or some other, some other presentation of the ideas and questions I have out to um, just breaking those open. I think that's, you know, the not, I no longer have as much as I didn't like being hidden. I no longer have something to hide behind. And so it's about really stepping into that bigger piece of me being me in the world. Yeah. In a way there was a safety to it, right? Cause you didn't have to worry about saying the wrong thing cause you weren't saying anything. So now it's like, Oh, now what do I do? <laughs> do you want to say what industry your new business is in? Sure. So it's working a little bit still within the built environment, working on um, an owner's project manager or representative. Um, so still keeping that connection to the industry that I really enjoy and also driving toward um, looking at transition, particularly for women in STEM, because this is something I have a lot of experience in, have begun to heavily research and think about the ways that um, we can make that stronger for people who do want transitions or for those who are trying to avoid it. Um, so that's kind of where um, the business is looking as a starting direction right now. Okay. So you're talking about career transitions or? Uh, career transitions. And I think um, even as, as parenting transitions plays heavily into career, that's such a huge um life point. And I think until you're, until you're the parent or contemplating or getting ready to do that, it's hard to think about what that looks like. And so thinking about a lot of the um, conversations around managing the transition overall, specifically when within the STEM world, so science, technology, engineering, math. Got it. Okay. Helpful. So one thing that is always a great place to start, and you've probably been doing this, like you said, you've been in this field for 13 years, is to think about who's already doing this work in your field and what what are they saying? What are, what's their voice sound like? And what are the words they're using that are that are connecting with their audience? And then also to find maybe 10 or 20 women who would be in your target audience and talk to them about the work that they're doing and the questions they're asking themselves and the problems they're trying to solve, because that will help you to get a sense of the, the wording and the language. And like I, ta I was talking with a financial planner a couple of weeks ago, and she kept talking about credit card debt using words I'd never heard before. And I kept thinking, I've, I realize that this is in your industry, this is how you talk about it, but no one in the real world <laughs> would call credit card debt what you're saying. Like, I don't even remember the words because I'd never <laughs> heard them before. <laughs> and like... And so 
I, I was trying to encourage her to talk to her audience so she could at least just understand like what how does this um represented by people who are dealing with this challenge and so I always mention this as a starting point because it just kind of gives you a sense of how you can be talking about it in your own voice, but also using it in a way that your your customers are. And then when it comes down to uh, being able to represent your own views and feel comfortable in making sure that you're in alignment with who you are and also in alignment with the women you're trying to help is to create a set of five core values for your company. And what that does is it creates an anchor for you so that you don't feel like you're just off in space going, is this okay to say? And well, what if I totally go on a rampage here and I lose everybody? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you said, like there's a little bit of fear around, well, I wasn't saying anything before, but now what if I say the wrong thing? And so if you have those values in place, it can help you to just always go back to them and say, is what I'm about to post or say on this podcast in alignment with these these core values I've already identified that the company stands for. Have you done something like that yet? Not in that lens, um, definitely different environments. So it's really exciting to, I am very <laughs> values driven, but hadn't thought specifically about looking at it from like the voice of a business um, or even myself <laughs> um, and speaking outwardly, it was always more of an inward look. And so this is really exciting um, a really exciting challenge to like narrow it down to like what are those five things that are most important to the philosophy and how I'm operating the world and helping others um, and making industry making differences in the industry as a whole. Um, so that's really um, that's really helpful to to think about. Good. And it is really fun. I, I did this again for Speaker Sisterhood last year. It took me like a solid month. Mm-hmm. And I, what I did was I Googled leadership values and I got lists of, you know, like 200 words. And then I just went through and I circled any that resonated with me. And that first round going through the list, I ended up with, I think, like 20 or 30 words. Mm-hmm. And then I put them into categories. And so if there were some like freedom, independence, the words that kind of stuck together, I put them into their own categories. And then I picked the word that represented that group. And I ended up with five words. And then I was able to use those five words to create almost like a mission statement mm-hmm. and a plan for myself going forward. So once you have that, you can you can kind of just work from it and always have this place where you know, like, this is who I am and this is what I stand for. And having a mission statement is so critical too, because then you always know you're going in, if you can always check back and say, is this going in the right direction or am I off in the weeds again? <laughs> well, that, that's really awesome. I think it's the values for me, like thinking about that, it's almost a way to start to ask the questions out loud of thinking about like how I'm learning and then how to interact with, with others of, um, it is like you said, that anchor to come back to around how we're continuing to show up, how we talk about things, how we are being with others. And I think that it like gives permission to ask more because curiosity is just (laughs) one of the ways that I'm driven. And so that's the way I'm thinking through a lot of things is starting with a question. And so I think that that really like breaking it down like that ties is able to tie a lot for me and not that I should be afraid to ask a question, but looking at what does, what value, again, going to what value around the values (laughs) of asking the question like bring and, and help someone else. So that's really 
I think that's really neat how it just circles back like that. It's self-reinforcing. And um, yeah. I think that's a really easy way for me that works with how I, na I naturally am able to kind of succeed and work through things mm -hmm. and really build on it to the next level. Oh, good. Another thing to think about when you're going to maybe make an Instagram post or put together a program or something is to always ask yourself the question, what is my intention? Mm -hmm. And I know there have been times where I've written something because I want to evoke a certain feeling. And then I think, well, is that manipulative? And is the goal here to inform and educate? Or am I trying to just like get people to buy something? <laughs> and I mean, I hate to admit it, but there have been times where I've written something with the goal of trying to sell something. And I don't, that's not really what I want. Not that I don't want to sell things, but right. you know, I <laughs> like, I really want to be a resource for people. Mm -hmm. And so if you can always ask yourself that question too, it makes, it makes it pure and clean. And mm -hmm. then you never have to second guess, why am I doing this? It's always coming from the right place. And it, it, it's probably going to feel scary. Mm -hmm. I, I wish I could say like, it'll be fine. It'll be so easy. <laughs> but in a way, what I've found is that when something feels scary, it's actually worth it. Mm -hmm. And if it feels easy, it's probably boring and not interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, like, and it's probably already been said before, or I don't know, it's just not connecting in a way that really matters. So if you do feel scared, that's probably okay. And you're probably hitting on something of value. How do you think about putting that into practice or how did you start doing it? And how does that, how is that something you maintain? Well, or a lot of it, yourself? yeah, a lot of it is consistently making content mm -hmm. and consistently listening to my audience and trying to find out what they need. So you probably notice on the podcast, I ask all the time for people to send me emails about guests they want on the show, topics they want me to cover, because I always think, oh, I know what people want to hear. And then I get an email and it's like, can you talk about this? I'm like, oh, that's the most obvious thing in the world. And I never even thought to talk about it. And so um, checking in with your audience all the time is helpful. And then also seeking out podcasts in your industry where you can be a guest. That's a great way to talk about who you are and what you stand for and the work you do and sort of be able to hear yourself say the words that you're writing down all the time and that you're thinking about, but in a different forum. And I've found it's almost like a workshop to be a guest on someone else's podcast because you get asked questions that you might not normally ask yourself and you have to think on the spot about what really matters to you and what you're trying to do. So it's it's a really helpful way to think a little differently and get your get your name out there. Also speaking at events, you know, whether they're online or in person is another great way to continue practicing making content and um, working on what you voice you want to have. And it, you could also create a second Instagram profile with just under your business name mm -hmm. and really um, practice using it there too. Great. That's, that's so unique. How many like practicing does not have to be like show up at a certain time and, and try it out. I think there was another podcast um, that you had where you talked about you practice their stories in the car. And that was just like, oh my God, that's such <laughs> like, yes, I'm listening to podcasts in the car, but it's a great opportunity to not just listen, but do the practice too. And that, <laughs> that blew my mind of just like thinking about like, what are the different ways to break out of that box of trying to do something um, 
in a way that, that helps it work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and always having a list of maybe the five or 10 goals that you're trying to help your audience to achieve. And then working backwards through that list to say, what are the stories that I could be telling about my life or other people I've helped who, you know, those stories help to show people how to accomplish those goals. And then, like you said, practicing them in the car. And I often go for walks and I put my earbuds in and I pretend like I'm on the phone with someone, but I'm really just practicing the stories. <laughs> and, um, it's, I don't know what it is about the car and the walks, but I can tell the most elaborate, beautiful stories of my life. <laughs> and I always record them. And that's the point. That's the part that's really important is to be able to go back and listen and go, oh, wow, that one sentence, that could be a, a newsletter. That could be its own podcast episode. There's so much in there. So it, in a way, I've been thinking a lot about, about content creation as being an artist mm -hmm. and having a you know that perspective, having a point of view on what I'm trying to share with the world. And when I think about it from a a point of view of an artist and not a business owner, it becomes so much more interesting, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so as long as I'm in alignment with the values and the intention, I can create anything and it's so yeah. fun. Right. <laughs> I, I do love how you're reframing that as, as the art that really connects and started to get more into like visual arts, um, just to kind of have fun and de-stress and, and the off time and like thinking about that, takes away like yes spreadsheets and dollar signs are great but it takes it away from it gets back to those whys and those values of how you show up and i i think that's really fun cool um do you have any other questions i guess um i think at this point the key is just the the values and the practice and get to them and just start showing up consistently i think that's the um you know, the scariest thing sometimes is just continuing to show up no matter what happens. And we have to make the mistakes along the way to um, be able to, to play in the game. And I want to get, <laughs> I want to get some playing time and um, not sit on the sidelines anymore. So I'm excited to, um, you know, get to back to something that's really important with the values and um, start to get consistent with the practice. I think that'll be, um, that'll be fun with the artist mindset. Yeah. Awesome. I'd love to hear an update from you too. In three or six months, if you want to write in, I could share the update on the show, or we could even do another life coaching episode because this be is great. such an exciting time in your business. And I'm sure there are so many people listening who are in that same moment of like, I, do I want to come out and do I want to say something? And so I'm sure you're inspiring a lot of people to think about their own business and their own work. So thanks for coming on the show and asking Thank the question. Thank you so much. I'm really excited. Thanks. All right, Emily Aborn, welcome to Claim the Stage. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so glad you're here too. Uh, before we jump into your question, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Um, okay, so as you said, my name is Emily Aborn, and I'm a content writer and also the owner and founder of a woman's entrepreneurship community called She Built This. Okay, and I just need to give a plug to that community because you are so awesome at running that group. And I think anyone who is interested in joining a group on Facebook of women entrepreneurs, Jeff, definitely join She Built This because you will see Emily rocking it as a facilitator and just coming up with great topics and images and 
it's just such a good example of how to do it right. Ah, thank you so much. You're welcome. So what is your question today? All right. So my question is this. For the She Built This group, um, I often host an in-person panel style event. And this year, you know, sometimes there'll be somebody that introduces the event or kicks it off as the keynote speaker. And I don't know if this is like against the rules of all things, but this year I would like to be the keynote speaker because these are my people. And, you know, this has been like a really crazy 18 months, year, two years by the time we get there. Um, so I guess I'm kind of wondering like, where do you start when you're putting together, I'm going to call it a keynote because I don't know any other thing to call it. Where do you start when you're putting together a keynote and like, how do you make sure that you're really sharing the message that you want from your heart to the people in the audience? Cause mm -hmm. it seems big. <laughs> yeah. How long is your keynote? Um, so let's say I would just be kind of opening it up for the first 10 minutes. Oh, okay. So short, it's a short shorty. <laughs> um, I have one thing I want to say first that doesn't totally apply to your question, but that would apply to pretty much anybody else who's doing a keynote for a conference where they're not the organizer. And I want to make sure I say this because it's a really important thing to start with and no one ever told me this. And so I made a lot of mistakes when I was asked to keynote at conferences. And that is to always talk to the organizer first about their expectations for the talk and their tone um, of the presentation that they're seeking. And also like, what are the participants going to be doing during that presentation? So like I was asked to give a keynote and I made it really interactive. And then a couple of days before the talk, I called the organizer and I said, here's what I'm going to do. And they said, that's great, except everyone's going to be eating lunch while you're talking. So you can't do like 70% of what you created. So you already know the answers to these questions, but I want to make sure like if you're hired to do a keynote in the future, that you always make sure you like interview the organizer first so that you know exactly what you're walking into. And before you even put any content together, you've already got those questions answered. That's super helpful. And I actually think it, it kind of does apply because it's questions I need to ask myself too. Like okay, what, good. <laughs> what tone do I want and do I want audience participation and what? Yeah. So, so let's take it from there. Okay. So are they going to be eating while you're talking? No. Okay. So that helps a lot. And what time are you going to be speaking? So there it's in the evening and um, everyone kind of does like a open networking in the beginning and then they sit down after that. So it's like the first thing. And I, I just want to like kick it off and set the tone for the whole evening. Mm -hmm. And um, how many women do you expect to be there? There's between 150 and 200. Okay. So these are all important things to start with because when you have a big group like that, you can do interactivity and you want to, but it's got to be something that you can wrap your arms around because it can get out of control really quickly. <laughs> like it can get really loud and then you lose, lose control and then it takes like 10 minutes to get people back and then you got to stop talking because your moment is over. <laughs> Um, so the other thing to now think about is like, okay, you've got the time, you know, you, how many people are going to be there in terms of the tone you want, what are you looking to establish in those first 10 minutes? Um, yeah. So I really want to come from a place of inspiration mm -hmm. that people can, I mean, it's been, like I said, like a pretty tumultuous year, um, for a lot of people. And I just want to inspire people to keep going and to keep like 
reaching for their dreams, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So if you only have 10 minutes, you can really only send one message. If you could have one goal for this talk, I know you said you wanted to be inspiring, but what would your key message be that they would walk out of that room with and, you know, have for the night or um, go into the panels with? I guess I'm not sure. So that's why I'm asking you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I often think like, I I think it's great that we have this as an example. This is like a women's conference, would you call it? Or a women's event? Yes. And you want it to be inspiring, probably empowering, right? So thinking about one message that would really make them feel like when they left there, they could um, do something different. So something like stop waiting for the right moment to come along and start creating it today. Like I know I talk about that all the time, but another one being they're in a room with a bunch of other women for probably maybe the first or second time in a year and a half. So um, make it a goal tonight to talk to five women you've never met before and try to learn what their goals are for their business and see if you can help each other. You know, I think the um, the message of connection is really important right now because we've been so disconnected and isolated. You could probably really play on that in the first 10 minutes because it's going to get them looking around going, oh yeah, there's a whole bunch of people here I've never met before. And maybe I could be a resource for someone or someone could be a resource for me. So if you're if your key message is let's reconnect in a real way, then you can share a story about a time when you did that or when someone you worked with did that and how it impacted their business. And so you want to first have your key message and then work backwards from there to create a story that helps get them excited about doing it. Yeah, I really love that. And I, and I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the connection piece. Um, That is that is what I was missing in my first business was that connection and the business, it it was successful, but it didn't feel good. You know, it didn't feel good to be doing business all by myself and not have any friends that I could talk to. (laughs) Um, and, and once I changed that, I feel like my entire way of doing business and interacting changed. So maybe starting, maybe taking that story with the connection at the foundation of it and working kind of working that story out into better, obviously a little more (laughs) beautiful than I just said it, but um, yeah, I love that. That's a great idea. And if you can try to create specific examples of what was, what was missing from that business, like feelings you were missing out on, like you didn't feel fulfilled or you felt like it was empty. And then like specific moments of when you had wins in that business, but they just didn't feel like they were as rich as they could be. And then being able to provide the opposite of that, like what you're experiencing now, what are the feelings that are coming because you do have those connections. So that creates some drama in the talk and the audience is going to remember those emotional moments and they may not remember all the details of what you said, but those emotional moments are what is going to drive them to want to build those connections because they want to feel that way too. So make sure you add a lot of moments like that. And if you have, if you want to include a moment of interactivity, you can say, let's get those connections going right now. Turn to someone sitting right around you that you don't know, introduce yourself, say one reason you came tonight and, um, and what you do for work and then switch and that tell them you're going to give them two minutes to do, you know, both sides of that interaction everyone will be so excited to now put into practice what you're talking about. The room is going to light up with energy and it's going to be like, you're starting the, um, 
the ball rolling. So now when they leave the room, it's easier to talk to people they don't know because they just did it together. I love this. It's already giving me chills. So that's how I know it's the right thing. (laughs) 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 And having a question for them to ask that's different from what do you do for work? Like, why did you come tonight? It's a great um, opportunity to have a conversation starter that they could then take out into the hallway afterwards or continue over email later or over coffee. So you always want to make sure that you um, create a prompt and it could be whatever you want it to be, but that gets them talking in a deeper way really quickly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. This, um, this felt really easy. Does it seem easy to you now? It really does. Like it was something I was like, what? <laughs> like tearing my hair out, just kind of trying to think of where to start. So this made it really easy. Oh, good. And I didn't mention it earlier, but I've said it on probably hundreds of podcast episodes at this point is like, always start with the two questions of who's sitting in my audience and what problem am I solving for them too? Cause you know, your audience really well, but you might in the future be walking into an audience that you don't know so well. So that's, an, those are more questions you can ask the event organizer to make sure that you really understand why those people came to that conference and what they're hoping to accomplish by being there. And then that will help to inform your keynote as well. Yeah, that's a great starting place. Okay, good. Well, this was this was really fun. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so let me know how it goes. And um, yeah, if you have any other questions, you're always welcome back to ask more on our live coaching episodes. Okay, great, because I have lots of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thanks. Thanks. Jolie and I hope you love listening as much as we love making this show. If so, tell us by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or share it with a friend. Claim the Stage is a production of Speaker Sisterhood and is produced in the Glitter Closet in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Music is composed by Kelly Vogel of Sound Passage. All right, that does it for us this week. Until next time, stop waiting, start creating. Bye for now.